This is Leslie Kane, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and we're going to do a breakdown to kick off September. I get the feeling, before I introduce who's joining me, but you'll know that anyway, uh, things haven't gone quiet necessarily, but we might be in the eye of some kind of storm. Things have gone eerily still, something's on the horizon. Is it good? Is it bad? To discuss this with me and some more news points, I've got Dan joining me back in the UK still temporarily. Dan, how are we? Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, we're a surprise for people. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'll, I'll just give the, the, the audience, I hate I hate saying that word, the audience, I hate the, the people <laughs> listening and watching, um, both of them, um, a quick hello. And I don't know how long this will last. It's incredibly hot here today. Um, and as people will well know by now, the shed, it's like 27, 28 degrees outside. The shed's about 35 or 40 probably in here. Oof. I have a nice block up my back, and I'm not joking, Dan. You can attest to that. You have yeah, seen I can, nice I block. can see it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, air, air is of a premium, and uh, the neighbours at the end of the street are very kindly having a barbecue in their front garden, and I all I can smell is burning. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm literally running out of air, and it smells like the shed is burning down. It could be. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to go with that. It's them still cooking food. Yeah, so this might be the last episode. Yeah, I should have done a live. I should have done a live. It would have gone viral. Like, you know, (laughs) Scottish podcast host, Shed goes up in flames. He keeps talking, idiot. Um, But anyway, yeah, speaking of broken things going up in flames, let's talk about Arrow first, Dan. Um, Well, actually, let me ask you a question first, okay? Because it ties in. Um, Taking stock of where we are, we've come out of August where... The House and Senate, or the US government, as many folks would kind of say, that all the politicians have had a kind of break. Um, they've not been, you know, in, in there during August. That's where they take their break, isn't it? Yeah. Um, following on from the hearings, the David Grush testimony grabbed worldwide attention, headlines, imagination, exploded very quickly, burnt out very quickly. And I don't feel things have gone quiet. I don't think things are running at a rapid pace. And like I mentioned at the start, Dan, it feels like we're waiting a little bit. I was trying to work out how to word that. And it reminded me, like, do you remember watching like 24 back in the day and like binging the box sets on DVD? And you had to put on that next episode constantly. And it'd be like five o'clock in the morning. And you'd be like, oh, I need to put on disc three. But imagine you put on the new disc and it's frozen. And you're, (laughs) you're just waiting on that next episode to play to find out what's happened with Jack and his daughter and everything. That's where I feel we're at. Like everything's on pause and it's like it's ready to go again. But I don't know if it's going to be good or if it's going to be bad or if we're going to still be in limbo. What what are your kind of thoughts on where things are? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like it feels a little a little limbo-ish, but there's stuff happening behind the scenes, you know. Um we're hearing that there might be some Senate hearings coming up. We're hearing that the House isn't going to have any more UAP hearings. Uh, Mike Turner um, said that they, they weren't allowed to because um, it might be embarrassing to the DOD, which I think is kind of telling, you, you know. Um, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that then. So sure. is it embarrassing for them? Ha- have, has this been framed in the right way? And this is me playing devil's advocate sure. for that conversation to, to grow and carry on. And I'm not saying this was any fault of, you know, a David Grush, a Fravor, a, a Ryan Graves, or a Burchett, or anyone who was involved in that. But is it just there's been so much pushback that it was too easy, given what was being discussed, to to make it something of an embarrassment, not for those with an interest in the subject, but for anyone outside of it to go, look, are we really 
spending tax dollars and time on this. Well, there's there's two ways it can go, right? Like you're right. That's definitely one of them. Like other politicians looking in and other people looking in and kind of going, really, this is where our money's going. My kid can't eat in school for free yet. You know, we're doing Mm -hmm. UFO hearings. But then the other side of it is that potentially the DOD haven't been fully forthcoming about what they have um, and that there are multiple groups. And what we're witnessing is essentially an arm wrestle to get information out. So there's two ways it can be embarrassing, potentially. So I kind of see why they don't want it in this forum. But at the same time, I think it speaks to the importance that we have it in this forum, because we, we need someone to to be an adult over there and throw their hands up and say, we don't know if they don't know. And they need more help scientifically to, to solve these things, you know? Is, is there, I've, I've got no notes on this, by the way. This is all pure like, raw discussion, folks. Um, so it could be awful. Uh, is there another way it could have been done? Now we've had the hindsight, we've had some time after, we've seen the reaction and the pushback and the, the shitstorm that David Grush has had because we're going to touch on the Corbell and Knapp appearance on Rogan and that's something they mentioned, that the stuff behind the scenes that's gone on with David Grush has been horrendous. I hope we find out eventually down the line so he gets some kind of, you know, compensation, not necessarily monetary-wise for that, you know, but just something to vindicate what he's done because it sounds like he and his family are getting a horrendous time for all of this. And you can imagine that worldwide exposure, just for a start, wasn't easy to deal with, let alone what he was talking about and the people that were pushing back against him. But in hindsight, do you think there's anything that could have been done differently? Yeah, I think so. Um, you, you know, the we know that Grush has said that his investigation, speaking to 40 people over four years, has led him to, to the beliefs that he, he shared with us. The DOD, oh, sorry, the, the Department of Defense Inspector General is looking into those claims and has pushed it to Congress. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's an argument that could be made to say, you know, we should have got the results of that report before we put these people in a hearing setting so that we don't have to have the, okay, you could, guys can go into a skiff next week or in two months or, you know, all that hoo-ha. It could have been bypassed if these reports were on the table before the hearings were had. And then a bunch of questions are removed that people had after the hearings, right? Like no longer are people kind of going, oh, we want these firsthand witnesses. We want to see what they've seen. We want to see the evidence that's been given to the IG. If that report is made by the IG and they've seen all the evidence, we kind of have to, I want to say defer to them, but I don't want to fully defer to a government agency because, you know, we know that they can obfuscate and hide things. Um, but it will be a lot more informed of a discussion and hearing if those reports were already handed in. We've seen the DOD IG has put up the the results of the investigation um, on DOD's handling of the UAP issue over the years. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that report, but it's available in a classified uh, setting. So these politicians could read that and they could go in fully armed, kind of knowing how the DOD have handled it, what the outcomes are, instead of just juggling conspiracy theories essentially which is what people outside of this subject will see it as you know we're, we're very recognized that uh you know we recognize that we're playing with puzzle pieces that we don't necessarily know the the mm-hmm. final puzzle yet um that picture on the front of the boxes you like to say but that might have been a bit more apparent had we had those documents before going in you know yeah and i think it's fair to say that and in- modern society everyone's guilty of reading a headline and not the body of the text you know um or you you make snap judgments based on a one sentence twitter picture you know or x picture whatever it might be um <laughs> and it, it's it's not unfair on the general public who who aren't involved in this subject to just look at headlines and go 
oh, this guy, you know, uh, was came forward with he's a whistleblower but he's talking about alien bodies and secret spacecraft and but he can't tell us where any of it is so what a load of nonsense they don't look at the setting that it happened in they don't care to and you wouldn't expect them to yeah. either that's not what people that's not what human nature is all about um so maybe in hindsight as everything is 2020 isn't it there were some ways it could have been done better what do you think at this point, we're, we're kind of 4th of September as we record this now, Dan, 2023, year of our Lord, as some people like to say, or year of a Lord, who knows? Uh, <laughs> not really just myself, the time Lord, who knows, Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> as we sit here, what were some of the the positives come from it that you can see? For me, I'll kick off to give you time to think. I think the overwhelmingly positive reaction from especially the the, the UFO community to the treatment David Grush got after the hearings to kind of back him up and, and call out how bad it was, that intercept hit piece, uh, Ken Klippenstein, whatever the dude's name was. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, to, to come out and support David Grush the way they did uh, was, was fantastic. And I think that maybe gave some, you know, thumbs up and beckoning forward of other first-hand witnesses or other or sorry first-hand witnesses in general because david grush is not a first-hand witness to craft or bodies or material sure. um but to say you know all oh, that there would be a support but as is, is that enough that makes me think you know it's still just that online community which is still relatively small um the general public didn't go into a meltdown you know it was a news cycle for a few days and it came and went i don't think that's all bad necessarily um so yeah, what about you? What what are some of the positives to come from the fact that we've had the hearing? It happened the way it happened, and we are where we are. So for me, the, the there would be three positives. One would be setting up for next witnesses at the next hearing. You know, it showed there's a hunger for these kind of hearings, for this discussion to happen, for this subject to progress in into kind of more of a more of the light instead of the darkness and murky kind of waters that it lives in. Um, legislation has been added since and added to and kind of you know bundled up. I think we're on seven seven pieces of legislation processing that will all be kind of brought together during a conference um, between now and when it gets presented to the president. Which usually we're not far off like a Christmas calendar for that, are we? Like a exactly. twelve days of legislation countdown. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, if you read that the NDAA has been passed, currently these things are in the NDAA. Um, it's the Dis- UAP Disclosure Act of 2023. That's the, that's the main one that they all seem to be folded into. Um, and that's really far reaching. Um, specifically as well, in that they talk about non-human intelligence a lot. And that phrase is kind of poured out now like people people know that as a phrase whereas before the hearings it was still a little bit kind of on the fringes you know most people would say et um and we were searching for like a a broader definition now we're talking about non-human intelligence i did contact um the spokesperson from the dod to ask when they make statements about things like we found no credible evidence of extraterrestrial technology or visitation whether that includes non-human intelligence or whether it's different from it. Um, Susan very kindly informed me that it does include it, uh, even though I would say, you know, (laughs) in in a conversation between us, I think we'd agree that extraterrestrials are non-human intelligence, but not all non-human intelligence is extraterrestrial. So it's the broader term, right? And and just to say, to be fair to them as well, who would probably want to stay away from having that conversation, they've, they've got to say that it includes it because they don't know, do they? Like, exactly they don't like, know just just to be on the fence let's say for a minute if the dod and everything you know was totally on 
on point and actually telling the truth that they had no crashed craft, they had no recovered bodies, there was no such thing as alien abductions, but tomorrow something landed in San Francisco and went, ah, we're here for the first time ever, no, we've never been here before. They could say, well, we, we, did, we did include <laughs> that's, it. But... That's really sus if they come out of the saucer and that's the first thing they say. We're going to be yeah. like, ah, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like you've the been zip, here before. The, yeah. the zip on the back, yeah. <laughs> We've never been to planet Earth before. Yeah, where's President Biden? Oh, I mean, um, yeah. Your leader. Um. Yeah, so to be fair, that they've got, the, it's not, and I think sometimes online we can see that sensationalized by folks. Oh, Susan Goff confirms that, you know, they include alien language and it's like, oh, no, they're just, they can't dismiss it. Exactly. Because they, 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 they don't know or they're it's, saying they don't like, know. Maybe of... she doesn't, yeah. You know, in the same way as we say UFOs, and we don't really mean unidentified flying objects, we have a few ideas about what they could be, yeah. right? Um, all those things are kind of, you know, inherent and unmentioned. It's more of a, like, I guess a colloquial use, like a broader kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the third thing that, you know, I was really pleased about from the hearings is I, I listened to a bunch of different podcasts, and, and two in particular um, one about the expanse, uh, Ty and that guy, they go through the expanse and talk about sci-fi and things like that. Um, and also the King cast that talks about Stephen King stories. Both of them this week were talking about David Grush and UAP at the front of their shows. And I thought that was really interesting because they're just not really in the UFO community. Mm-hmm. So during this space before, you know, Congress and the house comes back on September 5th and 12th, respectively, I think it is, um, the story's kind of trickling down. This is how trickle-down economics should work, right? Like, the, it should go to all the places um, that it hasn't been before. So everyone is kind of aware of the claims. Um, and I feel like the, I, I guess, what would be the term? Like, the the non-enthusiasts uh, are starting to, to get involved a bit more than they have been previously, thanks to those hearings. Where do you think we're going now? So like you say, we're starting to get politicians back in the United States uh, into a kind of working format. And do you see us getting more before Christmas? Obviously, we've still got the Ukraine-Russia situation that seems to go up and down on a daily, weekly basis. You've still got all the Trump stuff going on in the US, which takes up a huge element of the news cycle worldwide, to be fair. We get a lot of that in the UK. And, and that's only going to get worse as we start ramping up that election in the US, right? Yeah, and you mean worse as in it'll take up even more of the headlines. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan is giving no political affiliation there whatsoever, folks. <laughs> yeah. um, and any number of other things that happen in the news as we head towards a winter, there's going to be no doubt the energy crisis is going to kick off again. People's bills are going to go up. All of that. Where, where do UFOs fit into that conversation? And I think, Dan, that goes back to my original question of, is it too easy to call this embarrassing in that sense to to kick it to kick it down the line? And it's that power play is almost too easy for for them, you know, for, for yeah. they, as we like to say, you know, the, right. they Dr. who Ray. like to control all this in the background <laughs> and, you know, the, the shadowy figures that control this situation. It's almost just a bit inevitable, but maybe one that we have to just, take on the chin and one step two steps forward one step back yeah like in previous years when the legislation has come like you know tracking through and gotten to the president's desk i've i remember thinking is it is it good that it's going through kind of under the radar and spoken about you know it's bipartisan but the more attention something has the more potential there are for people to be like oh no we've got to shut this down like we, we can't be spending money on this this year they're requesting 27 million dollars so 
this is, you know, the more attention on this now, a politician could come along and say, hey, I want that 27 million for my school district, you know, for healthcare, for stuff like that. And I can't really argue against that as much as I'm, I want this to be solved. Um, and also, you know, more, and to be more fair, visibility means more fire, basically. Yeah, we, we know people who would have that conversation and it's not not a slight against them who would be like it's the biggest topic and conversation of all time everything we have should be focused on this and but people still have to go to work people still have to feed their children people still have to pay medical bills or try and fund medical bills depending where you are in the world and so you get why for a lot of folks it's like ufos are lovely but all this stuff still happens as well and i think that was a conversation shit who did i have with it recently um, and we, we've had it before about, you know, the, the days after disclosure. Was, mm-hmm. it, was it Avi Loeb had mentioned it, the, the day day two, he called it, yes. or day minus yes, one? Yes, it was Avi Loeb. That was yeah. a really good interview, by the way. And Thank I said you. to you privately, but I'll say here as well, you totally got him off, like, post-it notes, because he puts post-it notes around his display, right? And and I, I feel like we got to hear him talk a bit more freely. I felt so for the first time in three interview attempts that he spoke <laughs> a bit more. And I've had other guests that, you know, between us, I feel that happens, not just with me, but in general. And it's hard. It really is to get them away from sound bites and saying the same yeah. things. But yeah. Um, but no, um, Avi, Avi was good. And I feel I got more Avi in that one. So if you yeah. haven't listened to it, go back and check it out. Um, and yeah, uh, he mentions that, you know, the, the days preceding disclosure, the world doesn't stop. We don't all get flying cars and the the fossil fuel companies get you know the ceos get marched out with handcuffs behind their back scooby-doo style with ah uh, you finally got us and everyone's got the free energy now you're still going to be charging your phones with USB-C points you're still going to be paying your energy companies you know you still have a telephone bill you'll still drive a yeah. fossil fuel car unless you've got an electric one but you're still using fossil fuel to charge an electric car it's all of that still happens it's not going to be a quick process and that's probably a discussion for another time but um you you make good points though like you know the day after disclosure is almost going to be quite boring right compared to what we think of maybe for you like unless unless <laughs> unless aliens rock up over every city around the world and i say aliens i just mean the others you know the visitors whoever these pilot these things unless they put ships all over the world the day after is just going to look like the day before except more academics will become engaged because, you know, they know it's a real thing now. Um, The government works real slow. Like in every country, it just works really slowly. So any official kind of announcement on that, if Biden came out tomorrow and said, you know, we're not alone, we've been visited, unless the aliens show up, it's like you say, we're we're still going to be going to work the next next day. We still got to carry on, you know? Can you imagine how frustrating it would be? And think of all those Hollywood scenarios that we're used to, even like Arrival, right, where they land in all these places, remote, but there's a lot of them. Um, Independence Day, we track them coming in from space and they they split up and park all over the park. (laughs) Park all over the park. They park their car all over the world. Um, Imagine like we tracked a big craft coming in from somewhere it gets here and it like went somewhere mega remote that no one expected where there wasn't anyone stayed for about an hour and then left before anyone could get there yeah and it was like ah i mean they were here but they're gone again a really good example of that is i mean look look at the tunguska um explosion you know Mm. they were supposedly a meteor that come in and blew up over the, the the top of like this forest yeah people kind of knew that something had happened but it's such a remote location that it took people so long to get to 
um, that, you know, they were amazed that the trees were all flattened when they got there. Um, if it was but, like Antarctica or something, where yeah, we, it's, it's we, just we announced it and it came and it went and gone. Like, what, what would you even say to that? If Biden came out tomorrow and said that that literal scenario had happened, would you be like, prove it? Or would you be like, yeah, yeah, sure, aliens came and flew off? <laughs> I'd be asking the wife permission to go for a couple of days, looking for flights <laughs> to Antarctica, like, <sighs> mega expensive. Imagine, imagine if the aliens landed, the just the one location they went to was the mountain that Anjali told us about. Imagine they came out and said, <laughs> you know, right, is Anjali here because she's been telling you about us? And we were like, ah, yeah, oh, we, this we is going to be a... the go-between, and we're just like, oh my god, just... <laughs> As I slowly pick up the phone and unmute, and there we go, <laughs> start to DM, hi Anjali, can we get that interview done? No harm and all that, but yeah. But it, it, it could be, but joking about it, it could be a totally wildly different scenario than we've yeah. ever thought, you know, um, on that, let's talk about the Avi Loeb paper, because I feel we can circle back to what we were discussing. Yeah, and something I was going to mention there was, was part of that. Um, Avi Loeb had him on. He mentioned that, uh, obviously, the book Interstellar is out. I recommend that for folks. It's not, and I didn't want to say this to Avi, because I don't want this to sound the way it's going to sound. It's not a difficult read. <laughs> okay. It's um, like you get <laughs> through it quite like quick. A review. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. It's in a really good way. <laughs> It's quite a fast read. And I remember reading wrestling autobiographies when I was younger that would look really thick and chunky. And within like a day, you'd finished it. And it was like, oh, okay. the words were very generously, generously spaced out on that page. Uh, <laughs> so um, no, it's it's a, it's a really compelling, interesting read. A lot of, if you listen to this podcast, listen to others like it, listen to podcasts like me and Dan do that aren't UFO centric, but discuss it now and again, you'll see different ideas being discussed like that. Um, Obviously, the paper was studying the interstellar meteorite, as it was dubbed. The AVE has gone out into the Pacific Ocean uh, off the coast of Papua New Guinea to basically excavate a part of the ocean to try and get bits of this meteorite, Dan. Is that correct? Yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, they, it should they... be by now. I've spoke to him, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's more detail to it, but people can find that out from Avi in, in that yeah. interview. You, you know, I'm not, they, a, deta I'm not a detail like guy. Sevens, 700 spherules, I think they, they got from right. the Right, so a sferule, though, is a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Like a tiny, how, how big are we talking here? They could vary, but we're talking tiny. Some some of them you might not even be able to photograph, you know. Uh, there okay. was one photograph that they did share where you could see like a bunch of mud from the ocean floor and then there was one spheral stat on top. So it could be marble-sized, it could be sand grain-sized, it could be smaller, you know. We're, we're talking really small things. So, do you know what? I should have asked Avi this, Dan, and I'm going to ask you as if you're Avi. Um, don't do the voice. Uh, get in trouble for that. What? How does he know that the stuff he's pulling up is definitely from said meteorite impact and not potentially stuff that's just been there before? Yeah, sure. So um, in the paper, they specify basically that they had control regions. So they they kind of know the path of the, the meteor that came in because it was tracked by U.S. satellites, not by radar, uh, but multiple U.S. satellites. Uh, radar is, is said by skeptics to be unreliable for, for tracking meteors, um, but they didn't use it, so it's fine. Um, so they kind of knew the path. So they dragged the ocean outside of that path to see what the kind of surrounding area would look like and then dragged the ocean within that path. And they compared the two. And the differences seemed to be these spherules were highly present in the trail of what they think is the interstellar meteor. Cool. So basically, Avi, when I spoke to him, couldn't talk about the results. Those were due to come out in a paper. That is now out. And as I suspected, Avi is basically saying that 
it is interstellar, so it's come from outside of our solar system, galaxy. It's travelled a distance. We don't know. We don't know where it came from. Avi still, though, is is having the conversation or asking the question that this could potentially still be technological or organic in nature, and that it could be some kind of interstellar probe sent from another civilization, but we don't know because obviously it's impact, it's blown up, it's gone, and that's what he wants, basically, further funding with Galileo Project and people to get on board so he can investigate this further. It seems, and I know especially in the UFO conversation, we talk about all kinds of incredible stuff, you know, literal alien spacecraft coming here from other planets, dimensions, taking people on board, operating on them, talking to them, giving them all kinds of weird and wonderful experiences. And here we seem to be going way back to square minus six, don't we? Where we have a scientist who is trying to do some science to find out if bits of a rock may or may not be something from somewhere far away, but we don't know. And it's it's the wild swings of the whole UFO conversation, isn't it? Yeah, this this is the difference. You, you know, Avi spoke about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson being someone who speaks about science rather than practicing science. You, you know, it's it's very kind of bitty. It's not as glitzy That's as me Hollywood. Clicking. That's my jazz fingers <laughs> for Avi. Yeah, <laughs> click click click. Yeah, it's, it's not as glitzy as Hollywood would have you believe. You know, like. It's just hard work. You're looking at tiny amounts of material and you're you're just extrapolating knowledge from them as much as you can. Um, you know, in this case, like I said, they found like 700 of them. Um, they analyzed the spherules. And if you're in the community, you'll, you'll know this, the UFO community, you'll know the term anyway, but the isotopic ratios of material, um, basically these are like fingerprints for materials. Everything in our solar system was kind of formed by the same material. So it has the same fingerprint. Stuff from outside the, outside the solar system will be made of different stuff in different kind of uh, measures. So it has a different fingerprint. So what they found is that this isotopic ratio has a fingerprint that says it was made or created or comes from a different part of the universe. What I love about what Avi's doing is that he's kind of saying, okay, we've confirmed like 99.99% sure that this is an interstellar meteor and this is the first one that we've studied and it's going to tell us a lot about science. Um but he's also keeping an open mind to kind of say, well, this could be a probe from a, a distant civilization. We sent out the Voyager probes, um, you, you know, with our, the golden record on it, with the naked people of pictures and stuff. Really, you know, the first unsolicited nudes that humanity mm. is sending into the universe. Yep. Um, and it said on the bottom, <laughs> DM me, hun. Yeah, DM me. <laughs> um, so that's Are we literally we sliding did. into another civilization's DMs? We're trying. We're trying. Good God. Through spherules. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it, it sounds so, so <laughs> provocative. Um, Intergalactic Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, yeah. This is a, as long as it's subscription, I think you'll be able to get your your intergalactic monies. Yeah, but um, yeah, they so so they found this material that was it was beryllium, uh, lanthanium, and uranium, which they shortened to Balau uh, as a phrase. Um, there's going to be more testing on them. Uh, going forward, um, you know, we we're only looking at this. This is I am one. Um, there's another candidate uh, that is I am two, which very cutely sounds, you know, I am one, I am two. You know, <laughs> it's like a little conversation. Um, but yeah, Avi's really kind of taking this, taking this slowly and keeping an open mind that it could be materials from a probe. We really don't know until we know. So we have to just be honest 
And there's been a lot of criticism of Avi. You know, I saw him on uh, Michael Shermer's podcast. Michael mm-hmm. Shermer is involved with the Galileo Project. Uh, he's also involved with SETI and has a skeptic podcast. And he reached out for a few comments that were, were pretty damning, actually, um, about Avi's work. None of those people had read the paper. Mm-hmm. So all the pushback against Avi, uh, you, you know, these statements were read and Avi was like, cool, we address that in the paper. Cool, we address that in the paper. Yeah. So it seems that Avi's science is sound. Um, and it's just a case of waiting for, you know, the scientific community to respond uh, to the paper so that we can get it peer reviewed, we can get some responses, we can kind of get the conversation going. And hopefully at some point in the future, we'll hear a unanimous, you know, fine, this is an interstellar meteor that you found and we're studying. Let's, let's see what it tells us about the universe. Yeah, I feel a lot of the pushback on on Avi Loeb's work um, is from people who don't like the science he's trying to do. And I, I don't like Lord of the Rings. I don't like the movies. I get a bit bored. Um, it is what it is, okay? I'm just not there a big fan of them. At home right now. I, I, I went to I see... out the first one. <laughs> listen, I went to see all three of those in the cinema, right? And so I, I gave... What's the dude? Peter Jackson. I gave him <laughs> my money. Um, but I'm not going to turn around and say, those are awful movies and should never have been made. That's terrible cinema because sure. there's an audience for it. People like them. And obviously I'm not... A, like you know i don't make movies i love cinema i love films but i can see how well they are made how well they're produced sure. and i can see the benefit of making those because they made a lot of money and made a lot of people very happy and also spawned new franchises new technologies yeah. all that so kind of stuff things aren't for you right like justin bieber he's yeah. still popular that i'm like okay he's clearly talented but it's not for me you know Ex- mm, yeah um sorry to <laughs> good dog we won't get into the bieber conversation um so yeah, but that's, you're right, it's just not for you. But I get the feeling that a lot of scientists just don't like the UFO alien aspect of the conversation that naturally comes with what Avi's trying to do. And I think he plays that very well. Avi's not jumping into conversations about little green men and flying saucers left, right and centre. He's doing it in a very tactful, careful way. Um, yeah. What I want to get to, Dan, though, is a little bit of speculation on this because I think for some folks, okay, it's a paper based on little bits of what are probably rock. Let's. I mean, are you going with Dan? It's probably just rock. Um. Well, it seems to be uh, an alloy of some sort of a few various elements. I, I mean, it, it looks like rock, but as, what as does an alien probe look like when we're down to a grain sand level? You yeah. Know? Cool. Um. But I wonder, does this get us the starting point of getting more funding for underwater exploration? And I mentioned to you, you know, Dan, a few weeks ago, I went to see the Meg Two. Um. Spoilers for anyone who's epic masterpiece of a film right it is what it is um they basically go under a trench it's called meg 2 the trench right so they go into a trench and they pass what is a layer of warm water or something that i don't know if that actually exists or not and then it stops the shark coming through to get them because they have to outrun the meg and there's, there's a point to this, folks. There's a point to it. But they go through and they end up in basically another whole ecosystem. I don't think ecosystems, right? But whatever yeah, it is underwater, something like right. that. Yeah. And these things do exist as well. They're yeah. underwater oceans. And that's, that contain, that's my you know, point. That, yeah. The idea. And we don't know they're there. But they find this whole other ecosystem. Loads of megalodons are there. Um, and they find all these weird little creatures and things. And it's, and it's just like, wow, all that stuff could be there. You look at movies like The Abyss which discusses the idea, and I thoroughly recommend The Abyss to anyone watching. I think it's a movie almost ahead of its time. 
and I would love to. That's one I'd love to see remade uh, with the tech now, even because that you could do a lot with that. Um, pretty cool, pretty cool movie, and yeah, definitely well ahead of its time. I'd love to see people like Elon Musk or some other rich billionaire types who just want to throw some money away. Um, put some money into underwater exploration. Let's get some cameras real down very, very deep. Let's get some real good technology down there. And is there something worth exploring under our own water that's going to help us find another civilization potentially, either long gone or one that's left and came back or maybe never left at all? Because that's that's a conversation we see kicking about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it blew my mind that, you know, I, I've read Secret Machines before, but that the first book ends with, you, you know, that, or maybe they never left. That's the line, yeah. the last line in it. Um, and Spoilers. <laughs> it's been a while now. Someone's, um, someone's like three quarters of the way through the book right now and just absolutely cursing your name up and down. It's it's fine. It's fine. I don't I don't think that counts. Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Let me know if that counts as a spoiler, I guess. <laughs> That's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. It, it has been a while. And, you know, the second book's out as well. Like, I, I won't spoil the ending for that one. Because I've I started. Like yeah, it won't. To be continued, you know. Because I've started the second book, um, audiobook on the way back from football at the weekend from Glasgow. So I'm like 14 chapters into the audiobook, 15 oh, chapters. Cool. So you have to chapter 17 when Mick West is dressed up as a seagull trying to go. <laughs> no, uh, definitely not yet. No. But I'm enjoying it. And we're going to be discussing the Secret Machines book uh, in the next couple of days, next week or so. Um, so look out for that one. If anyone does have any thoughts on that or any questions or opinion, send them over. That'd be good. But yeah, back back to the stand. So yeah, yeah. underwater. So- Underwater explanation would be awesome. They, there is a company, I can't remember off the top of my head what they're called, but um, they, they're building or have built, they, they're kind of submarines, but they don't look like submarines in, in the sense Not that the one that was doing Titanic to. trips? No. Not that one, no. Not this one, one okay. is, it's taken more people to the bottom of the ocean in the past like two years than have been on the moon. So we're kind of finally getting to the point where we're going to be able to start exploring the ocean because they've been down to the deepest depths, the Mariana Trench. Yeah. The actual device itself looks more like a wall that you stand up in and it has like a little viewing window. All right. Um, they, they've been down so many times and, you know, it seems like really robust and, and well-funded and the more this technology should enable people to go exploring these things. But we have to remember, you know, they're still looking through a little slit in the edge of a wall and what can you really see with that? Um and that's mad that it's so, it seems easier to get into space, though, now with what Musk is yeah. doing with the uh, SpaceX. And to get down into the water is so difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And and it kind of speaks to the idea that we are pushing ourselves to kind of become a transmedium species, right? Like we, we lived in the water, you know, we climbed out, we kind of developed on land and very much the modern day, we, we exist in this small sliver of the earth and and everywhere too high or too low, we die without building these sensor suits around us. Um, So it's interesting that that's kind of overlapping as we're kind of starting to find these transmedium objects and realizing that, you know, that's something we can do. Um, I I really enjoyed Abby's, what Abby said about, um, you know, when you find the first ant in the kitchen and then you find your second ant in the kitchen, it suggests there's a lot more ants and you need yeah. to go looking for these ants. So go look for them. Like, it's not that crazy an idea. We keep looking for life, uh, you know, in the Earth's mantle, under the ice, all these places that we thought that life wouldn't be. And we keep finding extremophiles. So for me, it would be really silly to to ignore the possibility and to just, you know, keep exploring with, with an open mind. Um, you know, you can go on your phone right now and you can look at, a picture of the globe and it'll give you essentially what it thinks the the bottom of the ocean looks like 
But the truth is, we haven't mapped a lot of it because they extrapolate it from. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. It's not. not my point. I just took a left in there. Can you imagine, um, like three and a half years in, people like Andy. Andy's into flat Earth theory. I'm not. The documentary is funny, but yeah, we've all seen how it ends. It'd be amazing. Um, but it's it's extrapolated from the shape of the waves and how the waves change and things like that. So we really don't have a map of the oceans um, or the ocean floor. And we don't know if, you know, areas like you're suggesting could exist in certain places. Atlantis. We'll build these sensors, we'll build the, you know, maybe, um, we'll, we'll build what we need to build to kind of go explore these places and we will explore them. But how long that's going to take us, I don't, I don't know. But we, we can sure as hell say that the U.S. government have a lot more knowledge about the ocean that they're willing to let on. You know, they have that network of hydrophonic microphones under the ocean um, where they're able to, you know, like that sub that imploded a, a little while back, mm. God bless those people. Um, you know, they they heard that implosion on, on one of those microphones. Um, so they could assist with, with a lot of the work um, that needs to be done here. So yeah, I, I hope that ocean exploration gets a bit of a kick up the butt, and especially if there are treasures down there like this, this should light a fire under everyone's butt to to go do what Avi's doing. You know, when when NASA said they were doing their panel, Avi's response was, "Oh, welcome to the party." You know, we've yeah. been doing this according to your standards for a little while now, um, and we just need more efforts like that, more study, more data, and then we can finally kind of start extrapolating and getting some ideas instead of just saying, "I don't know." Yeah. Uh... I suppose moving on to one of the final points just to talk about a couple of things from Joe Rogan dropped a podcast with uh, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp, Dan. Uh, good to see Joe Rogan entertaining the UFO conversation again. Um, good timing as well. A few standouts for me. There was a big focus on the David Grush event, obviously, and I think it hammered home for me re-watching back a lot of those clips. We need that to not go away. I suppose full circle to what we talked about at the start of the podcast. The the Grush testimony, and like I said, just my opinion from the beginning is the follow-up is what's going to be huge for the progress potentially in this topic. Um, and that's if we get progress in the right way. It's going to progress, but that it could also regress, you know, or going to be bad progress. We don't know. Um if it, if if the Grush story goes away, say we do get a few months down the line, Dan and he's not coming forward again or no one else comes forward we don't get follow-up hearings and the story does go cold it could set the topic back years or, or decades and is there a chance and i just thought about this earlier say that does happen or somehow david grush got totally discredited right is there a chance that all the work done by two of the stars tom delong what he set up lou elizondo chris mellon it's almost like it didn't happen or it goes back to square one. And a lot of people say, oh, the toothpaste out the tube now, the cat can't go back in the bag, the genie can't go back in the bottle, blah, blah, blah. But it could. Yeah, absolutely. It, you had to think about that one there, yeah, just uh, with a long pause. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it kind of pulls a, a thread that I've been wondering. You, you know, pe people say if this stuff wasn't real, the DOD should be able to just trot out a picture of the Tic Tac and it all goes away. Of course, that makes me worry that it will all go away. Um, I feel like we're kind of, we're on the precipice of the general public kind of engaging with this in, in a full way. But right now, it's still enthusiasts driving the conversation, you know, um, people who, who get really inspired to talk about this stuff. 
um, you know, this past week we we've all been blown away by UAP being brought up in the the election debates, um, which was amazing. You know, I said to Elena not too long ago that I just hope that there's one question asked during the whole debates about UAP, and there it was, the first debate. Are, are you happy it was telling, asked? Right? I'm happy mm-hmm. it was asked, but everybody laughed. Yeah. And it, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, wow, there's still so much work to do on this. And, and I feel like, you know, even a five-year timeline at this point, it, it's going to take a while for people to kind of – you know, morph, morph their ideas from laughing to taking this seriously. Yeah. Um, and in while that transition is taking place, anything can make it go away. You know, like pe- people essentially, they, they are grasping for an easy answer. And if there's some easy answer that makes them not have to completely redefine their worldview and worry about, you know, what the world's going to look like in, in a year or whether their job's going to still exist, then they'll, they'll take it. So if, yeah, like I say, if, if the DOD came out and they had a video of a Tic Tac and they could show beyond a reasonable doubt that it was that um, and it was prosaic, then then stuff stuff might start, like, I guess, maybe not going completely away, but... Regress. You know, regressing. Like, you know when you put shrink wrap on a fire and it kind of gets smaller? Kind of like that. You, I don't you know. do that for fun, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> I know you know what I mean. Asda <laughs> pizzas in the UK. There's a niche reference for the UK audience. Anyone who gets an Asda pizza will know that analogy about the shrink wrap and the, the shrinking away, mesmerizing piece of art that happens yeah. in an Asda. So, so it'll shrink, but I think that the people that remain will be just as passionate and ferocious as, as the community is now. But again, like we always say, another point to remember is that the community isn't of one belief. We, we all have so many different opinions and it's community in name only, really. So so what are we left with if this current, you know, if the legislation goes kaput and things like that? For what it's worth, I don't think it is going to disappear, but it, it could certainly go back to to a place where, you, you know, on, only the, the passionate and obsessed need apply. Because even in the same breath that say tomorrow we had a species proven to be genuine we found that there were greys and one of them came out and it was like yeah they're an advanced ai sent here from another civilization to study us etc etc um so yeah we've got proof we're not alone uh, and we're going to do some you know kind of focus groups with them <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I, I think i took that it's getting very hot right but we're going to do a focus group with the, these these beings etc you would still have for example a contingent of the UFO community and brackets um, who are all about love and light beings and the Palladians coming to save us all from ourselves and ascension of the soul who would be like, yeah, that's all well and good, but yeah, the Palladians are still to come and da da da. That, yeah. that would all still happen. That, yeah. that wouldn't go away. I absolutely agree. I, I think we've spoken about it before privately, maybe I can't remember, but we, we were saying a very pertinent point that, once it comes out, you know, what the Tic Tac was or, you know, one specific group of others, what they are, you can kind of get a read on people in the community as to whether they accept that truth or whether they want to live with that God in the gaps and just, you know, juggle that. Oh, well, that's not what I was talking about. I was talking about, you, you know, the extraterrestrials, not the underwater beings. Um, and, yeah, and but so, the, the gimbal didn't rotate. What does it matter now, does it? Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, I mean, this is it's primed for a psychological study as it rolls out or something like that. It's going to be really curious to see uh, what, what people do. But the one thing that people can do is the, the website is declassifyuap.org. It's set up so that 
all, all the let form letters are there. You can contact your senators, you, you know, your representatives, and just let them know that you support the Schumer Amendment, the, the UAP Disclosure Act 2023. Um, you don't need to say any more than that. Keep it short and sweet, the busy people, um, and, and just get them to, to note it so that when it comes up, um, they know people want to see this to go forward. We're, we're not going to vote against it. Is the Schumer Amendment not the one, and someone commented a few weeks ago, so apologies, folks, it's been a busy couple of weeks, but school holidays are over, so I'm back to normal now. Um, I saw people commenting that the Schumer Amendment also allows for a lot more classification or covering up of information. Am it I does. making that up? It, it does give a few outs, but there are very specific people who have to approve those outs. Sure. And one of those people would be a private citizen who was put in charge of the UAP review board. Um, so essentially, you know, we, we have to give over a certain amount of trust to, to this review board. We don't know who will be on it yet. Um, and yeah, they, there are processes mentioned in the, the legislation itself to say, oh yeah, if this is a bit sensitive, we can, we can keep this back. Remember as well that it was based on the JFK kind of uh, declassification of files. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of had well. the same provisions, you, you know, like there were certain yeah. things that just couldn't be, couldn't be mentioned. And like who even, killed him? <laughs> even Trump, for example, like he, he said he was going to declassify everything. He didn't. There were, there were things that Trump was like, yep, fair enough. We can't, we can't release that. Um, whether it was a picture of him or in, in his dad on the grassy knoll, I, I, I don't know, but um, well, you know, this, this stuff has precedent. So they're trying to follow precedent. So it's a bit more kind of on the up and up, which I get. Um, but it remains to be seen what would stay classified, what would be unclassified, the kinds of things that would be revealed. Um, Arrow put their website up uh, this week, arrow.mil, if people want to go have a look at it. And on there, they they said that they're going to share unclassified imagery um, of cases that they've solved. Um, amongst them is the Tic Tac, the GoFast, the Gimbal, and they, they're all labeled as unsolved. So even though the classified info with those cases is being kept from us, there's still being very transparent about the fact that they don't have solutions for those things. So it isn't an all or nothing game. There are middle grounds that we can find here for that transparency and conversation to take place. It's the closest thing we've got to uh, OnlyFans for UFOs at the minute is that Arrow website. So, um, <laughs> But also within Arrow, I suppose we should, we should touch on this as well, Dan, that Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick is still in his role, but it does seem that things are in place for him to be removed at some point or replaced. Um, is it Catherine Hicks? Uh, Ka- is, Kathleen Hicks. Kathleen Hicks has yeah. been placed in a kind of an oversight position for yeah, that role. So before, before it was um, Moultrie and Bray, they were the yeah. guys at the first hearing, the ones that were being really evasive and, and people yeah. that didn't like. Then in legislation last year, it said that the Arrow had to report directly to um, the defense secretary, mm-hmm. um, Kathleen off the top of my head is the deputy defense secretary. So she stepped in and said, you know, I'm taking this over. Great that she's done it. She's about, you know, what, nine months too late. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm glad, you know, better late than never. Um, so it remains to be seen because she's seen again as someone that, you know, will kind of use squirmy words to get around, um, classification and corruption, in government that, that is very obvious. There's a great clip with John Stewart. Um, I knew you were going to point that one out. Kathleen Hicks yep. um, and waste and budgets in the Pentagon. Um, and she she essentially makes the argument that uh, 
it's not waste. There's just not a process to track those things. And John very, you know, astutely points out, well, that's waste then, isn't it? <laughs> um, so th- there's still going to be some politicizing and things like that there, but we'll see, you know, benefit the doubt. Let, let's give them a good run at this and, and see what they come up with. But I, I agree as well. I, I think Sean Kirkpatrick himself is not long for this organization. I thought you were going to say this world, and that was a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, that was heavy. That would I was going to say that would have been a threat, and that would, uh, that would have got you in serious trouble. Um, on that, for anyone wanting to find out the legislation stuff, we don't need to talk about it, Dan. There's not a lot to talk about, as we mentioned, but D. Dean Johnson does have a, a, a post up on his blog, and it has all the UAP legislation in one place. I'll stick the link in the descriptions and stuff as well for folks if they want to go in and have a look at a lot of the stuff Dan talks about are quotes over the months and the the various breakdowns and bits of legislation that are relevant yeah 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 you people that listen to this would have heard it you you know like on the website there was um some presentations that talked about arrow having to do like crash retrieval and analysis and exploiting the technology that stuff was in last year's legislation so you know if you go back on the breakdown you can hear us talk about it there Um, but it's great that you know it just goes to show that when they're a bit more upfront with the information it kind of catches people's curiosity a bit more um, so I, I just hope that continues going forward. That's Dan's dig it that it's not breaking news and that, that stuff <laughs> <It's not breaking laughs> that, that was being but reported as new wasn't you. The, the breaking news was um, that so Liberation Times, Chris Sharp, found that that exploitation kind of angle had been engaged to to get some material and study it. That's all we know. We don't really know how in-depth or the results mm-hmm. of that. But that's, you know, it's attached to the news there. So it's it's really important that we we kind of chase down the Pentagon of those kind of things. Yeah. Go back and listen to all the breakdowns. You'll get all, all that information. All of them. Yeah. All just, of them. just for the AI jokes. Yeah. 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 Aye. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, one last comment, Dan, from the Corbell Knapp stuff. And this is definitely one for you. Um, the At one point, Joe Rogan's talking about the potentially the human being or the whole human experience as a a farm for souls, basically, um, or souls, or souls, um, depending on how that goes with the accent. Um, and the quote is that Joe says, you know, maybe the soul is a thing, and Knapp and Corbell both say the same thing at the same time, that it's a commodity. Um, we, we've heard this before, haven't we, when Tom DeLong and others, Tom DeLong doesn't and didn't create the UFO topic, but he certainly popularised a lot of the modern take on it um, with some of the things he came forward with. And that's something he mentioned, remember, and I'll wildly paraphrase, and you'll know better than me, Dan, but Tom talked in the past about other beings being jealous of us having a soul, and perhaps, you know, that's something they don't have, and free will is something we have that they don't like, and that there's an energy to a soul, and good and evil are a thing, karma is a thing, um, and that was just intriguing to hear that brought up on that platform with millions of eyes and ears on it. Um, it was pretty cool to to have hear that conversation not being played out, but it's mentioned. Yeah, ab- absolutely, and and we don't need to get too crazy with it. You know, we can just kind of subtly kind of think, okay, well, if if evolution is the same on every planet, cats <laughs> is real, and you know there are humans that look like us on on multiple planets around the solar systems. Um, depending on how one of the planets look, life would be very different for them. So they, for example, you, you know, they might not have a society where enjoying movies is a thing, where falling in love is a thing. You know, they could all be geared towards just surviving every day. Um, and they would look at us with, with a lot of curiosity. Dan, ju- if- just just on that, very romantic of you, but we've got countries on this planet that 
people literally just survive every day still. And that's that's where people, when they go on about, you know, such a good point. our civilization would change overnight when UFOs land, children in Africa would still be dying the day after. And sorry to bring it down a tone, but, that, but that's a fact, isn't it? That yeah. yeah, And when people look at us and think, oh, we are so incredibly civilized, but we're not. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I mean, really good example. So if you take that country and you make it another planet, would those people look at us? Would there be envy? Would there be, oh, the way of life that they have is great? Well, what is it that makes them different? And eventually they would be looking at genetics. They would be looking at, you, you know, how we evolved. They would be looking to influence themselves in the same way so that they could maybe get the same enjoyment out of life. Um, you know, I've not said anything crazy there. Nope. But essentially, you know, th- that's a really kind of like subtle way that, that you could look at another species being envious of us and, and visiting us and, and being curious about this, like a zoo. Um, the more extreme side of the soul prison thing is is that it plugs into the idea of reincarnation, mm-hmm. which I know that's a that's a touchy subject in the West. But in other places, you know, you go to India and it's all built into the religion. You know, it's not a crazy notion and if anyone out there recognizes the name the dalai lama that's that's a reincarnation story and and we all buy into that one um so it's really funny how casual that that one is yet how lofty but the idea is that when we die our souls are set to go towards a light and if we go towards the light we reincarnate back onto this planet and some people see that as a prison and in certain books they say that when you see that light you shouldn't go towards it and that you kind of, you know, like a butterfly going from a caterpillar to a butterfly, you will change form in, into something else, um, you know, essentially a, a bodiless human. So your soul is what remains, which I guess in that example would just be energy, right? Like the energy carries on. It doesn't get destroyed. It just changes form. I think at this point, Dan, my soul is ready to leave my body and move <laughs> on to a, another plane, given the temperatures. And if you're watching this on YouTube, my hair isn't slicked, that is sweat. So apologies, for well. Yeah, thanks. Any dripping on the microphone during the, the, the audio <laughs> version of this is, uh, will not be removed. Um, but Dan, thank you very much for joining me. Um, always a pleasure, never a chore. Secret Machines Book One, we'll be chatting about some of the themes on that coming up because I've finished it, obviously, finally. Uh, Michael Masters' interview will be happening very soon and a couple of others. I'm just waiting on getting back to me with dates. And yeah, I'll get things a lot sharper over the next few weeks uh, as they haven't been the last six weeks as his kids have been off school and that has been absolutely mental in my household. So, So yeah, Dan, thanks all. Thank you. And just one quick thing to mention before we close out, uh, you, you know, I hope everything's okay with the Blink guys and Travis Barker. We were due to go see them and, and unfortunately they had to cancel one of the shows. Um, but there is new music coming and Tom's written some some provocative terms on his guitar, Interloper and Haystack. If anyone out there recognizes their names as projects or anything else, get in touch. I, I want to know what you think of those terms. Awesome. Yes. Feel free. Definitely get in touch. And um to the listener who emailed me uh, yesterday asking for Tom DeLong's contact details, I did email you back just to say I genuinely don't have Tom DeLong's contact details. Yeah, 182.com. <laughs> yeah, probably his website or his Twitter. Yeah, but um, there you go. If anyone wants to reach out with those, that'd be much appreciated as well. Thank you for listening, folks. Thank you. Thank you.
That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show out on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium, YouTube, you can sign up and be a member, or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right inside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a If you really want